Welcome to this shifting moment. Every Monday and Wednesday, we focus on a reading. And these readings come from Richard's vast library of thought leaders, teachers, and spiritual guides. And after the reading, we offer up an invitation. And it's an invitation that's designed to move something in your own heart. It's designed to help you wake up, help you through your afternoon, or to wind down at the end of the day. Welcome to this shifting moment. We hope it helps. Robert Augustus Masters, sadness. Sadness is loss taken to heart, loss of love, loss of stature, loss of sunnier times, loss of money, loss of health, loss of connection, loss of friends, loss of sight, loss of what we have taken for granted. Whether or not we allow our sadness to surface, we feel its presence and weight in our hearts. Sadness draws us downward, below our usual self-presentation. There we may stay, dipping into our tears, or we might try to insulate ourselves against them or seek some sort of lift to less overtly sorrowful place. Yet if we remain with our sadness, allowing it its natural gravity, giving it room to breathe and flow and have a voice, we usually will find ourselves not drowning or withering in it, but soberly restored and eased with our heart opening in unexpected ways. We may conceive of sadness as something to get over, but in fact, it is something to get into, something to allow. In sadness, we are registering loss. It doesn't matter how big or how small the loss is, so long as we let ourselves fully feel it and give it fitting expression. This doesn't mean getting mired in sadness or excessively dramatizing it, but simply yielding to its natural flow, as if easing ourselves down into a stream, letting ourselves be carried toward deeper waters. As such, the open expression of sadness is a kind of surrender, a temporary loss of face and control, a release that can be as healing as cathartic. When we're comfortable with our sadness, we don't fight its heart hurt, but let the ache of it move unhindered through us. As much as this might pain us, it also cleanses us, giving our sense of loss enough room in which to be fully felt. In well-handled sadness, we let our tears come, even if their arrival leaves us shaking with sobs. We feel the pain without slipping into self-pity or other victim-centered translations of our hurt. Sadness doesn't have to tie us down. It can bring us down to where we're close enough to our pain's core to really let the floodgates open wide. For example, we might feel sadness welling up after we're reminded of a lost love. We could allow such sadness to simply be there, noticing it, feeling it, weeping without getting lost in it. Or in contrast, we could bring to mind our resentments about that love and start going over and over a particular theme 
that stood out at the time, like, I always lose love, or I'll never have a great relationship. This creates enough mental looping and internal drama to maroon us in the simple reality of our sadness. So we hear the well-meaning statements like, don't be sad, or look on the bright side, or, or cheer up. These convey the message that we, should be, that we shouldn't be sad, or that being sad is somehow negative or a downer, with the implication that if we had it together, we wouldn't be sad. The upside of being down is that we're in a position to see, if we wish, some of the originating factors of our core sorrows. Seeds grow in the dark. So do we. Our tears keep things fertile, readying the ground for new growth and easing our ability to let go of what no longer serves us. When we feel sad, we don't always cry, sometimes because our sense of loss is so small, sometimes because our sense of loss is big enough to temporarily numb us, and sometimes because we associate crying with weakness. It's commonplace to reject or neglect our sadness as though it were a distraught child that we want to distance ourselves from. Such unattended sadness leaves us out in the cold, though estranged from healing tears. So many of us have shame about crying, especially in front of others. Not because crying is inherently shameful, but because we've learned to associate crying with unpleasant consequences. For instance, when we cried, we might have been told we were a baby or a sissy, or we might have been put down for it. Will you please pull yourself together? We might have been punished for it. When I worked with men who have not cried in a very long time, I find that their tears naturally come once their shame has been clearly addressed and worked with, especially their shame over showing vulnerability. I think so much of inner work, of healing work, of spiritual work, of whatever label you like to place upon this sort of work, so much of it is stepping into the uncomfortable feelings that we may encounter throughout the day. Things like sadness, and as we talked about earlier this week, shame. These are things that, yes, we're taught to avoid from our culture at all costs. But one of the greatest and healing revelations is that these feelings are like conversations that need to happen. I just think of all the movies or plot points or books or novels or any sort of interchange between characters in a good drama or usually the inciting incident, the thing that goes wrong, the worst thing that happens in that story is based upon a miscommunication, based upon a missed opportunity to clarify, to really just talk it out. And that's what we can do with our sadness. That's what we can do with our shame. That's what we can do with our hurt. We can give it dignity. So the invitation today is to lean into those things and face them head on. <laughs>